Hello everyone, welcome to the MRKH podcast. Our full intro has its very own episode, so please do go check it out. For now, a little hello. I'm Ella May from Vava Womb, and this is Mind Over MRKH, a podcast for and by the people with Mayer Rokotansky Kusterhauser Syndrome. You can support the podcast and the work we do directly by heading to mindovermrkh.org. This podcast is receiving a regular sponsorship to keep us going strong from our wonderful friends and UK charity MRKH Connect. We hope you find some comfort in joining our stigma-free MRKH chats with some true MRKH warriors around the globe. You are not alone. Consider Evie your sexual pleasure fairy godmother. Thrilled today to be speaking to our friend Evangeline, aka Evie Plum. She's a digital and creative strategist and sex educator. She has a keen interest in all things pleasure, sex ed, and illustration, and is qualified in teaching RSE sex education through ACET and a proud ambassador for the youth led charity Fumble. Evie created Clitorally the Best in July 2020 amid the pandemic in the hope to help others who have also been failed by their sex ed or lack of and unlearn all the myths surrounding their bodies and sex in a shame-free way. She was also recently nominated for the Brooke and Sexual Health 24 NHS Sexual Health Awards and has been featured in Forbes magazine for her mental health illustrations. She currently works full-time for the wonderfully sustainable period sex and bladder care brand Here We Flow and runs Clitorally the Best as a side hobby. To keep up to date with her latest content, follow her on Instagram and check out the Sex Positive blog for the latest articles. Hello, Evie. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's so good to chat to you again. It's been a while. (laughs) <laughs> it's been ages yeah because I went on Evie and I'll let Evie introduce yourself in a minute um I went on the literally the best podcast when was it like a year a year ago or two oh, years yeah. ago yeah I started it nearly two years no a year and a half ago I think god I'm so bad at dates oh, July yeah, 2020 I started it hey um and yeah I pretty much had you on at the moment quite soon straight yeah pretty soon it's been a while and then we met in the ages. summer and then we did meet eggs. We went to a little, what did we call it? The big clitnik. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Evie, are you okay to introduce yourself to the mm-hmm. listeners? So I am Evie Plum. I run the account Clitorally the Best, which is a sex education platform. Started off as a podcast. Um, in the day, I work for a sustainable wellness company called Here We Flow um, in their marketing. And yeah, I'm now an ASEP qualified sex educator. Um, I was also recently nominated for the NHS um, Sexual Health Awards and yeah I recently created my own lube after discovering I'm allergic to every single one um yeah that's me really. oh my god you blow <laughs> you blow my mind you're amazing <laughs> oh, thank you <laughs> no you're absolutely smashing it and you're like the most creative bubbly person I've ever met in like real life as well (laughs) Um, could you tell us a bit about why you launched Clitorally the Best um, and maybe a bit about what Clitorally the Best is all about I think it's kind of self-explanatory but we can Mm. still go into it (laughs) yeah so like I said it started in um, July 2020 um, during the pandemic 
uh, with my friend Kaylee, uh, who I met in Fiji when we were doing shark conservation. It's a little bit mad. Oh. Um, and we both just, we'd had lots of time on this island to just chat and realised we were both into the same things, really interested in learning about sex and both also had a really crap sex education. Um, so we decided to do a podcast. We interviewed experts um, and so people kind of come on a journey with us and unlearn harmful views. Um, unfortunately, Kaylee shed some big things in her life, like a degree and stuff like that. So she took a step back. Um, and alongside the podcast, I really like to draw. So I was illustrating what I learned from the podcast, um, which actually took off. And in a year, I hit 50,000 followers, which is pretty hmm. crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just create content on Instagram and created a website where it's kind of like a platform to find out all about STIs, pleasure, consent, um, all that good stuff um and then kind of what it's all about is I kind of the slogan is we all deserve pleasure so it's all around that something we're definitely not taught about in sex education mm. um it took a while for me to work out that I could enjoy pleasure um without shame and that my pleasure actually mattered um and kind of when I had that epiphany moment I was like oh I feel like maybe some more people are going through the same thing as me mm. turns out they were um and then kind of the thing that kick-started it was when I got an STI and there's barely any information on it even in your sex education classes which you have like one of it's mm. just kind of like they're really bad don't get them um and so I like googled and convinced myself I was dying and I was like we need to kind of change that there's like oh more God, information Google, Google is yeah. scary <laughs> it's like I have two days to live my my vagina's bulb is gonna fall off um but yeah so I kind of just, so, glad um, I didn't. <laughs> so I just kind of wanted to change that um so you know like more people didn't have to go through that freaking out bit really mm. um but yeah also kind of I never a lot of us didn't really advocate for our pleasure because half the time didn't even know what our pleasure was um so yeah kind of changing that as well yeah how did how did you find like going from I don't know what you were doing before you started click through the best but how did you find being like in the public eye talking about things like sex and pleasure did you find it a bit awkward with any friends or family or anything like that because I've I definitely have gone through that weird thing of going oh my auntie follows me or my (laughs) mum follows me oh I remember when I first started I kind of kept it hidden and I was going through like a real big change in friends like I'd kind of not fallen out but kind of grown out of my school friends and so I just deleted my Instagram like my personal one Mm. and then just created one and then only followed people that I knew wouldn't judge me which is kind of like now I should now I'm really proud of it but at the time I was a bit you know school's a bit of a horrible place and Mm. I knew that people would judge me um looking back I wish I didn't I wish I just shouted that out to everyone um but yeah I deleted that Instagram and then slowly people found me and actually were really supportive and were like thank you but yeah when my family started following I kind of kept it hidden from my family um I lived in like a annex thing near them and I just told them I was doing a podcast I think it was about like body positivity or like self-love I just kept it very vague um but yeah now they know about it and that people kind of is wanted and needed they're actually really supportive like they're more supportive than I thought and and it kind of hit me when we had Christmas last year and all my family 
like distant family that had only been following me online for like saying how proud they were like my uncles and stuff which you could tell they were so uncomfortable but they just wanted to like <laughs> they were still proud of me they're like yeah so what is it you do yeah looks like you're doing really well well done yeah. <laughs> I was like you know what thanks like, I think that's the whole point though I think like generationally the people that are talking about it now are helping I don't know like the aunties and the uncles and the mums becoming a bit less mm-hmm. awkward about it but yeah I've, I've had the same thing where my I think my dad's more interested in like the business side of it he's like oh he's like advocating for selling sex toys and how can you make money from this and then my mum is definitely more of like the prudent but has is getting like used to it now but neither of them have Instagram mm. so it does help me out a little bit <laughs> yeah neither do mine luckily I had like random aunties following me that then were then telling them but yeah my dad's the same he's like so is there any like gap that I can like invest like join in we can sell something <laughs> and then yeah my but it's quite nice though because it opens up a lot of conversations I didn't think I'd have but re- re- last week I think it was I was featured in the mirror which obviously is not my paper of choice oh, um, <laughs> I'll take it but one of the um titles was um girl catches like two STIs but becomes internet sensation like it was worded like this but I've seen like, this I need to see this yeah I'll show you it's like real sensationalized but my mum saw it and obviously it was like you're from the internet for having STIs I was like I know I know but it's for a good reason I was like read the whole article it doesn't actually sound that bad which I was surprised at for being the mirror but oh my yeah, God, I love that that. The, S- the STI <laughs> sensation <laughs> and they had to they interviewed me and they were like oh so are you with a long-term partner like kept pushing what's his name what's his job and I was like what's he got to do with it Oh, and it's kind so of like, yeah, the article kind of reads as like, oh yeah, by the way, she's this big slut, but don't worry, she's now in this long-term relationship. <laughs> That's what it reads like. I was like, oh, God. oh, they love the clickbait. That's like with their yeah. page. They'll be like, oh, I had we well, a few of us had a um, quite a big media platform approach us recently, just saying, can you tell your MRKH story? And yeah. they were slying the question in is, are you okay to be called the people, the women born without vaginas? And it was like. Just ask us straight up. Don't try and like swerve around it. You want that to be the title because you want it yeah. to be like click, click, click. Um, but yeah, so I've, I think I'm, I think I actually said that I wouldn't mind it, but I'd rather that I made my own vagina than the born without yeah. a vagina. <laughs> the positive spin. But anyway, that's amazing. Amazing. Even if you don't have the paper, all coverage is great coverage and great awareness for everyone, right? Um, so yeah, what was just, <laughs> I'm just like re- rewinding but what was um, you said that your like sex, sex education was lacking a bit and hence mm. launching literally the best what do you think was the main thing that was lacking from your sex education was it more around kind of STIs or pleasure in general or everything all of the above <laughs> <laughs> yeah everything really but um, I think the main thing for me was and for everyone is it was like one or two maybe three lessons max like how can you learn about your body and everything in that short time but the kind of main things that stick out is there's no there was no lgbtq sex ed Mm. um it's all penetration focused like that's the only kind of sex um it's yeah obviously sex being more than procreation that wasn't there shame free it was always like don't get pregnant don't get stis you will die um (laughs) Uh, like proper period education you were split into genders like everyone needs to learn about periods mm. um, it affects everybody um, virginity being like a social con- construct like especially if you went to a religious school um, consent 
I know that since taking my course, there's a lot more on that now. Um, still not enough though, I don't think. Um, STI window period, which is a bit of a niche one, but like, oh. yeah, so often you're told, like as soon as you've had unprotected sex, go get tested. But like different STIs have different window periods to show up. So like, mm. say if you had unprotected sex and then got a test the next day, you've not given that STI, if there is one, a chance to um, show its head. So I, that would have really helped me, I think. Um, I think uh, HPV, that was like a vaccination that we got, but never actually knew what it was. We never taught about it in school. Mm. Um, and then I had it. Most of us will get it, a strain of it in our lifetimes. And that's like how, why we have our, um, I keep calling it American version, pap smear. Yeah, yeah, smear. Yeah, just smear. To like check for that. Um, but yeah, I got the genital warts version, which is the like non-cancerous version, but mm. still not fun. Um, and again, I convinced myself that this was the end because some strains can cause cancer. Mm. Um, so it would have been good to learn about that. Um, the correct, correct anatomy. So obviously vulva, not vagina. Yes, um, vulva, not vagina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing about my sex education, which I think was brought in the year I had it um, when I was about 16, is I did actually get a lesson on porn um, and porn versus real life. And it wasn't actually done in a way like don't watch porn. It was like, hey, if you're watching porn, this is the stats compared to real life, like amount of body hair, et cetera, which I was, yeah. oh, okay. And that stuck with me. So. It'd be quite good to pluck out actually what did you learn as well. Because mm. I think everyone, like we always go on about, what did we not learn? It was crap. It was yeah. shit. They have taught some good things in like we need to, like keep those mm. <laughs> keep those yeah. things <laughs> that was where I, there are changes being made um mm. fingers crossed one day we'll get to the right amount but again it's to do with parents as well um I think a lot of them panic and think you're going to be learning how to have sex and like pushing people that aren't ready to have sex and stuff but it's mm. really you need to be learning about it before you're having it um no definitely especially the um vulva not vagina for me is like really I i I'm sort of passionate about that because mm. I think although like a lot of my friends will still say vagina I don't really mind when it's in like a social situation I feel like I'm not going to knock people when they're actually talking openly about something or like yeah. because actually rather than saying to someone oh you should be calling it a vulva just let them talk about it because at least they're talking yeah. but I think it's more when it's like I remember you we were talking about like a I don't know I think it was a tv show or something they, they used the word vagina that's when it needs to be educational mm. um but then for me because I was and people with MRKH born with like half a vagina or without a vagina I'm sort of passionate about keeping the word vulva because I'm like I don't have the vagina part but I do have the vulva part so when people say to me like oh yeah. um, vagina positivity I'm like yeah but also mainly vulva for, for like my personal experience because mm -hmm. the vagina part I was kind of born without so yeah and they usually do mean vulva anyway so mm. like, yeah I I bang on about it but I literally just slipped up back then I like I slip up on the regular but yeah I think as long as you know the difference that's kind of as long yeah. as you're trying. No, yeah. I, that's what I mean I think there's there's a because I've I've done a tweet before being like you can't shave your vagina mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I'm like am I just being like an angry um just because I love I your tweets yeah <laughs> just because I know the term it's yeah. like I know but my friends will still always say vagina just because that's just that's just their kind of like 
word for it. Up with as well. Yeah, and you're brought up with something. And I think like as long as you're talking about your like experiences, no matter what you call it, I think calling it private parts and um down mm. there should be avoided. But I sort of think yeah, that, weird like flower cooking. Yeah, like flower, like so we're not flowers, and it's not yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Anyway, I've gone down a vagina um part, <laughs> vagina hole. This could be a separate episode. <laughs> I've gone, yeah, I mean, it is, it is very on subject, but mm. <laughs> um, could, could you just, you're right to tell me, because I, I still get confused by this, to be honest, and even though mm-hmm. I research it so much, like the difference between STDs and STIs, and maybe like a few different examples of different STDs and STIs. Mm-hmm. So, basically, STI means sexually transmitted infection, and STD means sexually transmitted disease. Um, I found it's mainly like Americans that use STD and we use STIs, mm. but the actual, what they mean is, so often medical professionals will use them interchangeably as the same thing, but they're not. Um, so all STDs start as STIs. So an STI is only considered a disease when it causes symptoms. Um, that's literally just the difference. But... The problem with using STD as a disease, like using STD, is um, it suggests that person has a medical problem that's obvious with signs and symptoms. Mm. But most STIs, um, the most common symptom at all is no symptom. So, um, yeah, it's always best to just stick with STI. Um, People just refer to it as the same thing, which is fine, but it basically diseases when you're showing symptoms. Mm. whereas an infection is you don't always um so it's just the risk of saying std when you mean stis then it ignores the fact that it's really important to know that a lot of um stis are asymptomatic so then if you're not getting those regular tests then that sti can be developing um, and causing damage but yeah that's kind of the main difference if that makes sense Mm. no de- yeah definitely I think and my biggest confusion with STIs and like all of those kind of infections when mm. I was younger ha- not having a vaginal canal I was like oh I definitely can't get them I don't need to wear condoms I can't get pregnant and I can't get and I think so many people their mark age get quite confused and other and other um different conditions but I know MRH podcast <laughs> yeah <Get> confused <laughs> I need to cut out that cough that was <laughs> sorry I just got to roll <laughs> love this so I was like yeah. <laughs> um yeah so I think like having MRKH I get quite confused I used to get confused when I was about 15 16 I was like well surely if I like I can't have a penis but going in and there's nothing coming out like period blood or yeah. like cervical discharge surely I can't get an STI but a lot of them are contracted like skin on skin aren't they or like orally or mm. yeah and that's why sex education shouldn't just be penetration focused mm because yeah yeah, then you're not learning about you think that's the only way to get an STI but yeah the main ones for skin to skin are HPV which talked about earlier herpes and syphilis um so STIs can be yeah transmitted by skin to skin contact um and you can't fully prevent yourself like while a condom can help um or a dental dam as it's skin to skin around that area you can't fully protect yourself that's not to say don't use them you should but um basically where that the main way they can infect you is when someone has a flare-up so for example with herpes there's sores so you're if you have herpes which you will have for life once you have it you um whether that's hsv1 or hsv2 so hsv1 is the um 
one of the the mouth and then hsv2 is genitals mm. so um you can have hsv1 most of us get it when we're toddlers when we're kissed as babies um but if you have a cold sore and then you go down on someone you can give them hsv2 so it's yeah important to know if you have it and then when you're breaking out so in a, with hpv for example warts so they're like they look they're cauliflower in texture and they usually come in um groups and you shouldn't have uh sex when you have one of them until they're frozen off because that's how they can be spread skin to skin i was going to ask do, can you freeze them off because i haven't even mm. yeah yeah so um the hpv warts can be frozen off at a sexual health clinic like within two minutes um and then the herpes sores, you just kind of have to let them um, go down. You can get creams and stuff. But with herpes, things that can flare up is like if you smoke or if you run down, they tend to come out. So a bit like a cut, same when it's on your mouth. Mm. Um, and then syphilis is sores as well. Um, most of us don't hear about this one because we think we can't get it anymore because it's like something from the Victorian era, but we can definitely still get it um but with hpv most of us will get a strain of that in our lifetime like i said earlier so but again all of these sound super super scary but we're human it's normal and you can't really help if you um do get it obviously if you have active sores warts etc and you are having sex with people then you are putting other people at risk and yeah that's not advised um but yeah about half a billion people worldwide are living with genital herpes um, and several billion have oral herpes. Um, it's just so common, isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, most of us don't even know we have it because, uh, yeah, you can have the strains of um, herpes or HPV and not even have any symptoms. Um, but yeah, it's basically just using the protection you can. Um, and if you have any active water sores and stuff to not um, have sex or activities in that area and that's the same with like oral sex and stuff like that yeah I mean it's 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 fascinating how common it is and I think mm. I don't think I learned much at all about when I was younger about what I could get and especially not really under like not having catered sex education to MRKH yeah. and not really understanding things because you kind of you kind of just get put in the bracket as a young female so you therefore you're the same as everyone else yeah um but yeah so how when you had the STI that you got how did you feel did you feel like it was really stigmatized and were you kind of were you quite embarrassed or I don't know because it's one of those hard things where I know like I've got friends and people that I know I nearly said someone's name then <laughs> that have had different things and you have to go down the whole route of telling people so what's your advice to someone that contracts an STI to kind of shake off the stigma of it and just go mm. right this is just a thing humans get what yeah, yeah. what's your advice to someone or the next like, person getting an STI. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I found out I had it, I had like this big, like, you know, when you get this overwhelming, like, dread over you. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, frozen. Just, it's okay to feel like that. And you can sit with it a bit. That's fine. But just remember, like, so many people get this. You're completely normal. It's just, there's so much stigma around you being clean or dirty, etc. But, mm it's just like getting a cold just like getting anything covid whatever like there's no stigma attached to these but just because it's to do with sex and that personal there's the stigma attached but it's no different um and i think yeah it's i think a lot of people are like don't panic it's fine Ugh, stop 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 but you can panic for a bit like it's okay it's normal but 
yeah it's just that I even created a little worksheet on my website which you can print out I'm not trying to plug but (laughs) I made it for myself (laughs) I made it for myself because I was like it's basically called the anti-panic STI checklist and it's like print it out you can go through all the things and it tells you what to do right down to getting a test and how long it will take to get your test results and stuff um which I made pretty much after I got I think it was HPV because I was just I got myself in such a tizzy and I was convinced like that I was gonna get cancer and that this was the end I think yeah horrible and And I'm lonely as well like mm, you kind of just feel like oh I don't really want to talk to anyone about it because it's a bit embarrassing but I think like the work that we're doing is so important because it's like everyone millions and billions of people probably everyone you know has been through or is going through or will go through something like this and it's such a simple thing just to talk to people about it but like we don't and more and more people are and I I get always I always have to remind myself that this Instagram community isn't what normal people are like like you go outside and no not everyone's talking about those that's so true (laughs) like I can't I think oh it's solved what am I even doing and then you go outside or like there was this video that went on the BBC that I was in and I got so much hate like so much hate like telling me to die mainly about my weight which was just like what? That, yeah it was horrible and like saying I'm just that, putting a middle finger up to the hate yeah. right now by the way <laughs> it was not good but um but yeah like it's just then you realize that no there's still so many toxic beliefs and so much to do but I think yeah just saying calm down isn't it (laughs) easier said than done but that you will be okay and the fact that you've caught it is good like you you can now deal with that and I think my biggest recommendation as well because GPs obviously NHS amazing but severely underfunded so in terms of like trying to see someone it can be a nightmare um people don't treat you with don't always have the best bedside manner um, but I really recommend if you can get over this because I know it's always like when you first go to a sexual health clinic because it's called a sexual health clinic it's so scary You're like oh my god everyone knows where I'm going there but they are honestly the nicest people in the world and they make everything so much easier because I think they're just they must have more training or something I don't know what it is but they're like bedside manner is amazing I felt like I'd just gone to see a mate and I had my warts frozen off like like, what is going on like they're so nice they're so nice and if you can again really hard to get appointment my way anyway um but if you can do that over the GP um oh like I was going to see my mate or getting my warts frozen off that needs to be (laughs) one of their like slogans yeah (laughs) oh no thank you so much for sharing because I think there's going to be the stigma of like having an STI plus I yeah. think for a lot of people with MRKH there's a stigma of like going in because I remember going in to get my an STD check in like the local hospital up the road from here mm. and then then being like oh when was your last period and we're like oh we don't have them and there's the added like pressure for anyone with any yeah. different I know that I know that you've been through like endometriosis and things like that so there's a lot of um added stigma when you've got other health conditions that you're kind of going in they're a bit triggering to talk about so going in for an STI check can kind of be a reminder of so many different things and I just remember going in and feeling really awkward I was thinking I was about 21 or something and I just got back mm. from traveling I was like better get a check um mm. and it was all fine like it was it all came back like negative but I think just that feeling of them I think I cried in there as well they were just like oh mm. when was your last period and when was the last time you had sex and are you it's on contraception invasive. yeah mm. it really, yeah exactly so I think it is just very like um 
I don't know, just it can be very triggering for people, especially for a million different reasons, but especially for like the MRK. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Mm. Especially when, I don't know, you probably have experienced this, but when the GP then starts Googling what you have, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, they do that. that. Feels smooth confidence. They do do um, that so, so, so much going to add um the blame game that this is something that I think we all jump to straight away like oh they were gross they gave me this this is they're so dirty etc I just think I also did that that was my knee-jerk reaction oh who gave me this like this transactional thing but at the end of the day I consented to have sex without a condom now in my experience where I got what I did I had a test and the partner at the time told me they'd also had a test and it was clear Mm. so then we had sex without a condom and it turns out they were lying I think obviously that part is the issue but in terms of like they didn't knowingly give it to me they didn't go it's a completely different story if someone's like yeah I have chlamydia it's raging it's active and I'm going to go have sex with loads of different people that is not okay Mm. but when you've consented to having sex without a condom and then you get something I think it's just also playing the blame game just has so put so much more stress on it yeah it's just okay this has happened we had a good time we weren't as careful as we could have been Mm. um it's a bit like covid sort it out yeah (laughs) we all fuck up we all fuck up and literally yeah with covid and then with also like if you're having sex and you're turned on it can be very like very, mm. takes a lot of restraint to stop and go and get that condom and obviously not excusing it but like we all do it it's happy it happens yeah. and I'm not saying it's advised but it's kind of like we're humans we make mistakes let's just deal with it sort it out and move on that's such a good point about the blame game I have to be honest I've had so much unprotected sex I've been with Chris for seven years so before that um mm. like as a teenager as a young 18 19 year old like oh my god yeah that's just I, I just because I just thought I was immune to them and that's like yeah. it's crazy but it's like I, I feel a bit stupid for it because I'm like how did I not know that mm-hmm. I could have got all these other things that weren't to do and I was like oh no grandma cage can't get ST, STIs yeah. like it's ridiculous but like, yeah. we, cl- we clearly can so yeah it's almost when you get it that's the only when you're careful <laughs> that was for me anyway and I weird analogy but the same was for me when I had a car accident I was zipping around super quick didn't like care and thought you know what I'm no I'm, I'm immune you just think you're immune don't you and then now I've had an accident I drive like a granny oh, and will forever drive like that. a granny <laughs> but yeah I just that's kind of how I relate it in a weird way is so it? driving like a granny get the condom on don't spread covid i love all these analogies that's great <laughs> um, just quickly back to what you were saying about your partner basically saying they had a test i don't know whether does that kind of fall under any kind of consent description of disconsent where it's because i know that and I don't want, yeah. I, I need to put a trigger warning on, but I know that kind of removing a condom without consent is technically rape. And that is, yeah, that's kind of, that needs, can maybe, can we talk mm. a bit about consent and kind of your knowledge of, and maybe what you've learned about consent in the course that you're doing? Yeah, this is the other thing that also like spurred me on to create Picture the Best is that often I learn through learning about stuff that 
some of the experiences I had weren't consensual and it wasn't okay. Like I put it down to them being a bit of a dick, but actually it it was a sexual assault, it was rape. And I think that kind of really hit me. I'd always just pushed it away. Or like it was always my fault, like I was too drunk. I was doing this, I was doing that. I'd always just blame myself. And then I think once you learn about the rules of consent and what it actually I just think, yeah, then it just really hits you. Just think, thank you for sharing, because I think it can be really hard to think back to, and and myself, like I think I haven't, mm. when I started Fava Womb and Mind Over MRKH and started learning more about it, the more I realised that there were certain things when I was like, I don't know, much a much younger teenager where I was going through certain experiences thinking yeah. it was normal, but then going, actually, no, like, you shouldn't have done that, or I didn't mm. really want to do that, but I sort of just fell into it, or I was drunk, or there's yeah, so many You just blame things. yourself. For, for all of it yeah and I think it's just I have a a big page on consent and stealthing and stuff like that and I think learning about stealthing for the first time as well made me look at consent differently because I was like yeah I you consented to have sex but you didn't consent to have that kind of sex mm. the same with having sex with someone who said they were no they were clear like yeah I would say that is tech that is technically sexual assault like you did not consent to do that and I think there's also this when you learn about rape and sexual assault you see it with this aggressive lens like you have to be aggressively it has to happen with you with force mm. but it's coercion as well like where you're told oh but I, I have blue balls or but we haven't done it in ages or like but everyone else is doing it etc which was I think most of my young when I was younger being sexually active that was mostly my experience was everyone else is doing it I need this like this is my fulfillment like entitled guys like boys Mm. and I think yeah after learning about properly what consent means it kind of just it yeah just kind of like shit (laughs) yeah but, um, and it's not nice sometimes to actually think oh crap like I didn't really I haven't really thought about mm, these horror, those experiences that I had that I thought were quite normal it all comes up <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. I think it's really good to be teaching people about it and I've definitely learned loads from your page mm. and think everything that you're um trying to educate people on as well so I think it is really important for all genders and for all type of sex I yeah. think it's like and have you got any tips and advice on communicating because I there was a quote that was um I can't remember I saw it somewhere consent is sexy and I kind of went down the route of thinking consent is just mandatory but like the communication is sexy so like the consent comes first the communication can come after and that consent can be can can be like a Mm. continuous experience it could be like right I do consent to this situation but during sex it's like the continuous consent can be sexy but I thought I've always kind of thought the initial consent is mandatory and then like communication can be sexy have you got any kind of communication tips <laughs> I am just trying to, yeah so I made a post on like saying consent is sexy I'm literally trying to find it because my brain my actual memory is awful but yeah it can be sexy it's just like regular checking in like yes okay do I want to have sex but it's not like I think people think of it as this like right we're going to sit down with a piece of paper we're going to checklist do you consent this 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 right okay go pre-planned <laughs> yeah like, it's not hot but it's like do you like it when I touch you there do you like it when like do you want to do this do you want to take this bit of clothing off can I do this 
and you can it's basically dirty talk like it can be hot but you're also constantly checking in that they're enjoying it because you can withdraw consent at any time I think that's another thing that really hit me as well I was like oh shit well I've agreed to it now you have to go through with it but no you can stop at any time or they haven't or they haven't finished yet I need to now I need to now be here for them to fit like yeah yes oh my god yeah like that's like changed how I have sex like I'm like oh I'm really not feeling this anymore and rather just grinning and bearing it sounds really bad but like rather than just you know no but it is it is yeah it is yeah now I'm like actually I'm really not feeling this can we stop and your partner will if it's the right partner will understand if they don't understand then time to step off (laughs) like yeah I'm here for that I'm so here for that yeah I do totally agree that consent is sexy the initial consent is like the obvious Mm. you're you're consenting to being with that person in the first place otherwise it is the horrible word that we don't like using too much but yeah so I think Mm. it's so so important and especially with MRKH as well and of always going always going back to MRKH (laughs) for this Mm. podcast in particular um it's just yeah (laughs) just because I think like there's a lot of I don't know there could be pain or things that you're not really sure about or just just things that you kind of want to experience and that continuous are you comfortable are you happy does this feel okay can I touch you there can I put it there am am I going too deep do you want me to go softer like it's just it can be really fun and it could be help Mm. you kind of like self-explore and get more involved in the kind of the yeah like it's because MRKH I think sex can be quite triggering and emotional but actually getting the consent and the communication in like a sexy path sexy path what am I talking about (laughs) I know what you mean the sexy path could work quite well (laughs) Evie could I just ask you what you think sex well what does sex positivity mean to you I feel like it's kind of it's a mixture of things but the kind of main thing is just talking about it it's just communicating it's and it's not judging it's like shame free and openly talking about it obviously as long as both of you are comfortable talking about it it doesn't mean that you then just blur everything to everyone they might not be comfortable they might have not consented to it but it's educating yourself on other experiences that aren't your own not yucking other people's yums so like oh they might have this weird in a vertical kink that you find weird but that might be their way and that turns them on it's not judging that it's understanding that everyone experiences pleasure in a completely different way um yeah just speaking candidly with other people about STIs about pleasure so they also can feel they can come to you and ask questions or just ask questions just discuss and chat about it so like with anything like if you're having a really bad day you're struggling talking to someone and offloading it can make such a difference um yeah and vice versa I think also not apologizing is a big one um it's not I think a common misconception is that if you're sex positive you've got to be having loads of sex you've got to love sex and be obsessed with it but you can be sex positive and never have sex or not enjoy sex um it's just about I think it's just being a good person isn't it like understanding that people are different and people enjoy things in different ways or or not like people can and never want sex and they're happy and that's fine like that's more than fine I think yeah 
And then another big thing of being sex positive is you're advocating for sex education. You want other people to experience good sex education, like body positive experiences, etc. No slut shaming, for example, which obviously comes under being like shaming and stuff like that. Um, being honest with your partners about your sexual health, about your status, not because you might be embarrassed about it, but because they also deserve to know you're looking out for their health. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think what you said a minute ago about the fact that sex positivity doesn't have to be you having so much sex, that mm. makes that just makes me feel really happy because I think with like friends and family, because I'm talking about I don't know sex toys and sex online, they just think that you're just some crazy like sex yeah. maniac that's wanking every five minutes. And I mean, you might be, which is fine, absolutely. Well, you yeah, also fine. That's also fine if you're not. <laughs> also fine if you're not. And like people that I don't know, uh, I've got OB fans or sell sex toys or mm. or like lube like yourself. And I think like there's that stigma that you're just continuously, but it's not, it's just about everyone deserves, like your, your your main slogan is everyone deserves pleasure and and to understand like sexuality mm. and sex and everything above. So yeah, no, it's, it's so nice to hear like what you think it is and how you're like putting it out into the world in a creative yeah. way I love. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, uh, but I think also I, like I am having the least amount of sex in my life ever. And I'm completely content with that. But in my head, I'm like, even I'm internalizing that. I'm like, wait, I'm talking about sex online, but I'm not even having it. I'm like, am I allowed to do this? Mm. But it's not about that. It's about when you do have those experiences or not have those experiences, you know how to have it for yourself and for others. And it's you are having a good time. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that I think about quite a bit. That's so true. I think, could we maybe talk about not having sex for a while? Because I remember you did a mm. post about, was it antidepressants and yeah. not having sex? Mm. Could you share your experience with that? Because I think there's probably a lot of people with MRKH that may be on antidepressants or anti-anxiety mm. medication. And generally there's a lot of, um, I don't know, I feel like because of the uh, underdeveloped vagina, I think people kind of confuse libido with maybe the physical mm. condition but actually libido and sexual drive could be anything from mental health to physical health to like what you yeah. have what happened that week or what happened at work <laughs> so could mm. you talk a bit about could you tell us a bit about your experience with yeah so I um I was on them for quite a bit when I was younger and um, it didn't affect me then I don't know why um because I'm still developing whatever but one of the most common side effects of antidepressants is um not being able to orgasm um for me I still had that drive but I couldn't orgasm and it was just constantly like oh no 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 it's not happening no and like I I remember like me and my partner would be like it would be like a mission like we've both got our hands in different places like okay we're gonna do this we've got this like no it's not happening mission impossible (laughs) yeah like if someone walked in they'd be like what the fuck is going on but we're just like desperate but it's yeah you never I just wouldn't climax and I think I love that he tried though I love that I love his willingness to give you give it a go exactly (laughs) and I tried it by myself with about three different toys and my hand and it just yeah wasn't happening it's very frustrating and it can get you really down like I felt like I was choosing between being mentally okay and having an orgasm um which it shouldn't be like that um so I was doing so much research trying to work out how I could make that better 
or at least relieve it a little bit um and what's annoying is the doctors don't tell you about it they they just don't they're like oh you might feel a bit like sick and tired when you first go on them or da 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 um but nothing about your sex drive um but I found what helped me was I would have sex right before I was due my next tablet um and then that actually really helped I could then orgasm like two out of the three times um and then be able to take it again um I then did also try lowering my dose by like a meg or like half a meg obviously I'm not advising to do this without doctors Mm. um input and checking with them but then I did I think I dropped by literally just one meg and that helped um a lot it was still difficult but I could actually get there so it's kind of like playing around I think with your dosage with your doctor Mm. um to try and see if you can get that back um but yeah I think for a while for me I was like I need to be on these these are more important than my pleasure and that's okay too Um, putting your mental health first and then 100 percent. like obviously they're both interlinked but at the end of the day like if you're not functioning orgasms can wait yeah and then I guess the other hand is like they can help like people Mm. find I, I know that um, you were struggling on like the antidepressants but I th- so I'm just so int- I, I think it's really um exciting to have someone that hasn't got MRKH but that is so sex positive on the podcast talking about mm. like things that can help people with MRKH and there's a huge thing around the orgasm gap of like vulva owners and mm. um having less orgasms than like people with penises or like lesbians having more orgasms than straight um women yep. and <laughs> I just wondered from your point of view are your orgasms like a higher percentage clitoral or vaginal or a mix and what's your kind of view on what an orgasm is <laughs> that's a big question yeah. but like for people with vulvas and I, I know that you've obviously got a vagina as well so I know there might yeah. be some slight differences um I heard anyway I heard something recently about cervical orgasms and I was like what is that a yeah. thing so anyway all your knowledge on orgasms would be great <laughs> <laughs> so basically I can only really have in terms of like the big like climax clitoral which I think is like over 80% of us um can mm-hmm. um so I need that clitoral stimulation um like having something in my vagina can help but it's really really not needed and if I'm on my own I don't um for me it's the, the clitoris is what gets me going um, I know my friend she's mainly vaginal so she orgasms pretty much every time she has vaginal sex with somebody mm. which um sounds pretty handy if you're with having sex with men yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah most of us um just clitoral and in terms of like what they call the cervical orgasm um it's kind of from my knowledge it's just like another way for like g area g spots all this kind of stuff so like the g spot isn't actually a spot like a button that you clitoris, right? <laughs> so yeah it's i've got oh. a good diagram of this and it's just your your clitoris wraps around um if you have on your vagina and then it puts pressure on the urethral sponge so where you pee and then um a thing called a skiing gland and then all of that pressure is just is engaged like if you're having vaginal sex on the clitoris it's all just about pressure pressure on pressure Ple- oh my god <laughs> i forgot how to say pleasure 
So basically a vaginal orgasm is just there's it's a pressure on a di different part of the clitoris. Um, so sometimes if you have a more sensitive clitoris, like your clitoral bulbs are more sensitive, then you can orgasm for penetration alone. But it's not it's not the common common way. Um, but that's also the kind of G area, G spot cervical orgasm that people talk about. It's just all that pressure. Now I personally that's that kind of when you can squirt. I can't and um, not everyone can they say some people say you can you just gotta do the right things but a lot of the time um I did an interview with some people say that um squirting can take a lot of effort and actually hurt like it's not pleasurable it's not worth it um but that's kind of that all that pressure pushed together yeah so there's a girl called Lola Jean a lady girl, um who I had on the podcast who explains this very well and talks about it but yeah it's kind of all just just pressure really and I feel like I've had from what I've heard had that kind of vaginal orgasm or like g area orgasm but it's not like you bring up you bring up and then there's climax and it's over it was kind of like just a load of pressure and like am I in the middle of an orgasm am I not I don't really know and there's no real like plateau it finishing um but yeah for me that's happened like once or twice and it's taken a lot of effort but um yeah orgasms personally are yeah the clitoris yeah so I think they're just like they're just different for everyone and I think yeah like having MRKH and people with MRKH will always kind of worry that they're having less they're having less orgasms mm. or their pleasure is almost less because they haven't got this like full vaginal canal because I think for me like I get so wet and even <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I'm like in the mood like I and Chris my boyfriend has said that I've probably been like the wettest person that he's ever like experienced and I'm like great because that means that something's working mm. and that's obviously the gland your vault like the skeins glands and the bartholin glands that are all kind of just working yeah. away and like, we have got the vulva and we have got everything externally and I think the kind of g-spot is described as like the entrance to your vagina and because we mm. have got the like vaginal entrance I think that is just the, the we have got the structure surrounding that so I think it's all very very similar other than penetration yeah. just being a little bit more less comfortable and some people will never go through it but we go maybe per through. yeah personally I'd say once it's past a certain point you can't really feel it like depending on the angle in terms of pleasure you can mm. feel it but like pleasure wise it's for me anyway it's just really right by the entrance and then the clitoris um it's like it's, it's comforting for people with MRK mm. to know that as well to be like mm. we're not we're really not that different <laughs> no, and personally like I am a massive fan of not having penetrative sex like for the last six nine months with my partner we we're just massive fans of mutual masturbation like just wanking in front of each other or playing with each other but not penetration like I couldn't tell you the last time I've had I had penetrative sex because it just doesn't, it's just not on that mess. Yeah, can go without sometimes it. Sometimes it can be like psychological as well. I feel like if you, because mm. for me, like the penetration of the sex is more of a psychological turn on, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, you're, like, you're told from a young yeah, age, or you're you told should that, enjoy yeah. it, or porn. Like. Yeah, so you kind of like, in my head, it's like something that I'm, I know that, I, but because I, because I'm maybe, a, a, I am a construct of society and I've sort of maybe learned that the penetra penetrative side is like the horniness and the make it should yeah. be like exciting <laughs> but I feel like yeah I think that is just in your mind and like there's like physically yeah it kind of feels nice but again you have to 
mix yeah. it with like, we're told it feels good because it benefits the man yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's <laughs> the thing but then in a weird way I'm sort of I do enjoy it just because like just because it's the back of my mind it's something that I should enjoy but I but I've mm. grown to enjoy it because of that if that makes sense so but I but we um, we're exactly the same we try like we don't always have penetrative sex like it could be just mm. a case of and that's the other thing I wanted to say I like foreplay isn't like foreplay doesn't have to just mean foreplay foreplay is full-blown sex and it can be like yeah. the beginning to end can be like foreplay <laughs> I think the tricky the tricky thing is with like describing orgasms and types of orgasms is there's, there's fuck all research on it mm. like people haven't researched it it wasn't it hasn't been long since the clitoris was actually put into medical journals and all this stuff like there's so much still to learn it's just kind of a hard thing to study consent wise and etc and also nobody really wants to fund it but yeah so that's kind of it's kind of just going off your own experience really and everybody is different um but yeah I think the, like you say, the stats on lesbian sex and the percentages of orgasms really speaks for itself uh, in oh. terms of the thing that, like, the clitoris being the main part for people. Obviously, not everybody. But, mm. but, yeah. No, definitely. Well, thanks for sharing. It's nice to, it's nice to know what other people's mm. orgasms are like. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any, well, before we let you go, before I let you go, do you have any tips on people that have not self-pleasured before and maybe like your favorite sex toys before we end <laughs> mm. yeah I think pleasure there's also a massive pressure on it as well like especially self-pleasure pleasure like you should be doing it it's self-care this whole like putting it around self-care I'm not a massive fan of I'm not a massive fan of self-care in general I think it's lost its meaning it's what very it corporate it's corporate now it's mm. like to sell things um but not everybody's going to enjoy that and if you don't that's completely fine again like sex um and if you've never done it and you don't have an urge to do it there's no you should there's no should and shouldn't like it doesn't mean you then have to be doing it and that means you're sex positive or that means you're like yeah you should be doing it um but i think if you do want to try it try with your hand and some ethical porn if um watching things and other people that turns you on um I have a good page on that with lots of ethical porn I'm a massive massive advocate for it I would say that everything we've talked about Evie's got a page on like you've like you you're but you've smashed your website there is a page on all of it <laughs> no, it's amazing I'm so in awe of you it's amazing I then just realized really actually talking out loud about it that oh I did actually write quite a bit yeah, yeah. Be proud. Excuse the grammar, though. I was in such a rush to create it. I keep spotting like some no. awful spelling mistakes. No one cares. It's all about no the content. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, yeah. What we about to? So pleasure. Yeah, just have a go with that, and then I think again another page on this. I have a whole <laughs> section on sex toys and what to start off with, and um but I think start off with like a mini bullet vibrator nothing too overwhelming um and then you can find out if vibrations get get you off sometimes it doesn't work for everybody um my all-time favorite are clip suckers so air pulse stimulation these can take a while to get the hang of so a lot of people will try them they're like I really don't Really or it's like it. too much too soon it's like oh. yeah it's, it, I found it took me like a good three or four guys to get the hang of it and then 
sometimes yeah it's too quick like it's great if you're in a rush in the morning and you want an orgasm but sometimes you're like oh well, that was quick but sometimes you can't really feel it at all you just kind of have to find out what's for you which I understand can be hard because sex toys are not the cheapest um but yeah I think start off with a trusty hand and some optical porn um and see what happens there but again yeah if you're not you haven't got the urge don't worry about it it's not you're not broken or anything like it's whatever you want to do well that's such a nice message I think that there's such a huge pressure and even even I'll do it I'll like write a quote being like go for a walk have a wank drink some wine and it's mm-hmm. like it that's just you're doing it like a fun way but actually pressuring someone to like sex mm-hmm. toys can feel a bit like oh because there's so many different things or reasons why people might be just might not like them in general because everyone's different or there might be different traumas or different like relationships with sitting down and having a wank or cultural reasons or there's so many different things and I think yeah. even though we're kind of advocates of it it doesn't mean we're sitting there doing it every five minutes or some days you might some days mm. you might not and I, you probably feel the same like do you get um you probably get sent quite a few sex toys yeah you feel like you've few. got that pressure it's an understatement like, have you tried this one yet <laughs> yeah they're like they'll like email me like three days later like so what do you think you have yeah. to me I'm like fuck me I'm just not even sat down like give me a chance but um no that is kind of the perks I have to say um of what I do is the amount of sex toys I receive um but I think kind of all a lot of them are just variations of the same thing um but yeah, I have still something on my website, like a to-do list that says have a wank, go outside, etc. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I'm in the back of my head like, am I telling them? But no, it's, if you do like that, yeah, it's fun and nobody usually talks about it. And if you do like that, then that's cool. It's like normalising it for the people that enjoy it. Yeah. And like opening up that door if someone goes, oh, I haven't really thought about it to be that stigma-free, mm. like stigma-free thing before. Um, yeah, no, no. I've always been told it's gross and not allowed. And, oh, I can actually try it. Because I think yeah. that's the other thing, you'll just, you think it's gross. It's so internalised in you because, mm. especially for um, women and mm. people involved with it, it's like, it seemed to be okay for penises, but when it's us, it's, it's like, you're a slut, etc. with all this shit. Seen as like, yeah. again, it's like the private parts. That's like, someone with yeah. a vulva having a wank is like really, uh, and also like people thinking, I don't know, my thing is I worry of people thinking of me having a wank and then it makes me feel a bit cringe. I'm like, <laughs> oh no. And then I like, put you off the wank in the first place or like uh, mm. opening the conversation with your like partner about just wanking in general. I just, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's like slow baby steps are just. And even like us being quite open about this sort of stuff, there can still be these awkward moments, I bet, in our lives where we're still 100%, a bit like, oh. Yeah. And I think it's, we're getting our heads so much as well. So then if we're in our heads anyway, thinking about like, does it smell okay? Does it look okay? Does Is this whatever? Um, then when you've also got that shame attached to it, it's just this whole other level of making it harder to orgasm or harder to enjoy it. Obviously, orgasm is not the end goal. Like, when I say pleasure, I don't mean climaxing. Like it's about the journey, or it's not the destination, whatever they say. But oh, thank you so much for all your knowledge and creativity, mm-hmm. and for kind of brightening up the world of sex positivity. Did that rhyme? I think it did. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Anyway, <laughs> I'll let you go. Loads of love. Thank you so much mm. for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Bye. Bye.
thank you so much for listening to the Mind Over MRKH podcast. We will have regular new episodes, so please follow and subscribe. If you want to come for a chat, get in touch. And to everyone with MRKH, you are not alone. Thank you.